Great to be back with you folks uh, today. It seems like we've flip-flopped from summer to winter since we were last here, and that was only a few weeks ago. So, But uh, it's great to be back with you again today to share God's Word. We're looking today in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. And uh, looking specifically at verses 11 through 12, although Ken um, told me you left out a couple verses. You forgot 8 and 9. So we'll start our scripture reading today with uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, through the end of the chapter. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at one time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments and ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father, so that you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom we have in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by his spirit. Father, uh, take these words and burn them in our hearts today and help us to understand what you want to say to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Stephen Oligood shares this story. They say it all began over a pig. Well, the year was 1878. Randolph McCoy of Kentucky accused one of the Hatfields of West Virginia of stealing a hog. Fe feelings festered and hostilities escalated between the two clans of hillbillies. It was tit for tat, and uh, things boiled over when in 1882, a McCoy shot and killed Ellison Hatfield. The Hatfields retaliated, and over the next 10 years, another 11 people would die. 
Further conflicts between the two clans would involve court battles over timber rights and cemetery plots. After 125 years, the infamous feud between the Hatfields and McCoys was finally over. Uh, 60 descendants of the original families gathered on June 14, 2003, in Pikefield, Kentucky, to sign a document declaring an official end to the more than a century of hatred and bloodshed. The treaty called for peace. It read, we do hereby and formally declare an official end to all hostilities implied, inferred, and real between the families now and forevermore. We ask by God's grace and love that we be forever remembered as those who, that bound together the hearts of two families to form a family of freedom in America. Well, although the treaty was largely symbolic, both the governors of Kentucky and West Virginia were present for this nationally televised ceremony. Now, please, no one move, okay? Don't rock the boat. Stay cool. No, just keep your hands to yourself and uh, off each other's pigs, okay? But you know, we long for peace, don't we, in our world today? You look at our world today, we long for peace. We daily hear of shootings and stabbings and uh, all kinds of violence in Seattle, Tacoma, all around our region. Nationwide, we hear of mass shootings. Earlier this year, the Robb Elementary School shooting in Uvalde, Texas, 19 children, two teachers who were killed by a young man with an AR-15 assault rifle in an 80-minute ordeal. Uh, we hear of violence toward government officials and their families. A week ago, uh, Paul Pelosi, husband of Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi, his house was broken into, his uh, skull was fractured with a hammer. Uh, they were looking for Nancy, wanting to kidnap her. But we hear of all this turmoil and violence. There's threats of, you know, uh, balloting officials being threatened and uh, all, all kinds of turmoil in, in our nation today. On the international scale, of course, the war in Ukraine with the Russians, uh, now even threats of nuclear attack. In North Korea, they've been shooting off missiles this past week. Um, I was at Missions Fest the last couple of days down in uh, Seattle, in uh, Edmonds, actually, and uh, the theme of this great gathering of of uh, people from many different churches and mission agencies. The theme was uh, persecution, prayer, and courage. And this happens to be the International Day of Prayer for the persecuted church. Well, we heard many stories of people around the world in different nations who are being persecuted for their faith today. Uh, some 360 million people around the world who face severe persecution and discrimination for their faith in Christ. Uh, in Nigeria, there have been hundreds of people killed in this past year. 
Uh, ten years ago, my son-in-law's church in Joss, Nigeria, was car-bombed. And uh, there were some fatalities. Jesse and Emily were not at the church that particular morning. Uh, but I remember being in Joss myself and, and seeing a sign. It read, we Joss, J-O-S, that's the name of the city, we Joss want peace. Well, yes, we just want peace, don't we? What's the answer to all the violence, all the chaos we see in our communities and in our world? Is it stricter gun control? More people carrying guns to protect themselves? Tougher policing? Uh, is it locking up more people in jail? Is it better mental health counseling? Is it more effective dialogue between peoples and nations? Uh, let me suggest to you that the ultimate answer is found in Jesus Christ. Yes, we long for peace. Peace in our world, peace in our cities, peace in our neighborhoods, in our families, peace with ourselves, peace with God. Ephesians 2, 14 says, For he, Christ himself, is our peace. Uh, many things can be said about Jesus. Jesus is the good shepherd. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the light of the world. He is the bread of life. He is the resurrection and the life. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Here's one more truth about Jesus. Jesus himself is our peace. And uh, this morning I'd like us to consider the, the peace that Jesus Christ brings. The first point is through Christ we are brought into peace with God. Again, verses 13, 11 through 13, Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at one time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Now, I would assume that most of us here today are Gentiles. Would you agree? Not, probably not very many Jews in our congregation today. But um, Paul wrote the book of Ephesians uh, to those in Ephesus, and many, if not most of those, were Gentiles. They were not part of God's chosen people for the Old Testament Israel. Uh, they were not included in God's covenants to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David. Yes, there were some people in the Old Testament era, Gentiles, who were converted to Judaism, like Rahab and Ruth and Naaman. But for most Gentiles... They were without God and therefore without hope. What a sad thought. What a sad thought to be without God, without hope, hope for this life, hope for eternity. I'm afraid that there are billions of people in our world today that are without God and without 
hope. It makes it urgent for us to share the gospel message to the ends of the earth. Uh, Paul says in verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. We who were once far, far away from God have now been brought near, reconciled to God through the blood of Christ shed on the cross for our sins. Again, verses 16 through 18, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. And through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Christ preached peace to those who are far off, to us Gentiles, and peace to those who are near, to the Jewish people. Now, both Jew and Gentile believers in Jesus have full access to God. Together as one, Jewish Christians, Gentile Christians, we are reconciled to God the Father. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight, by faith we have peace with God because of what Christ Jesus our Lord has done for us. In his book, Peace Child, uh, Don Richardson tells of how the Sawe people of Erie and Jaya came to understand how they could have a personal relationship with Christ. Uh, for many months, Don and his family sought to, to explain to the people, to somehow get through to them the gospel message, but it just wasn't clicking. It wasn't sinking in. And finally, they this discovered the key to their hearts. Um, all demonstrations of kindness expressed by the Sawi were regarded with suspicion. All except this one act. If a father gave his own son to his enemy as a generous gift, this would show that he could be trusted. Furthermore, everyone who touched that child was brought into a friendly relationship with that father. Richardson taught the Sawis that in a similar way, God gave his son Jesus so that we could be at peace. Yes, it is true. Christ is the peace child. Through Christ, we who were estranged from God, far, far from God, are now brought into fellowship with God. Our sins are forgiven through the blood of Jesus. Uh, peace with God is established. There's no more enmity. There's no more conflict. We have free access to God the Father through the Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ, our mediator. Christ is our peace. He is our peace. He brings us peace with God. And I ask this morning, are you at peace with God? Well, here's a second point. Through Christ, we are brought into peace with one another. Uh, think of the cross. The cross has a vertical beam. Speaks of being reconciled with God the Father. The cross also has a horizontal beam. It speaks of being reconciled with 
one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. Look at verses 14 through 16. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two and so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Paul here speaks of a great wall between the Jews and the Gentiles. And there were two reasons for, for this wall, as I see it. Uh, the first, uh, God had chosen Israel to be a holy, set-apart nation, separated from the pagan practices and beliefs of the surrounding nations. You know, their idol worship and sacrificing their own children uh, you know, to the gods and all the ugly things that were around them. So God uh, took this family of Abraham, chose them, gave them the laws, the ordinances. Uh, he, he put them apart for a reason. And uh, that reason was that the Jewish people might be a blessing to all the nations of the world. And it was eventually through, through Abraham that we have Christ who came into the world to be our Savior. Well, there's a second reason for that wall of separation between the Jew, the Gentile, um, beyond legitimate distinctions of the two people, there developed this attitude of hatred, of hostility. Now, the Jews in Paul's day looked down on the Gentiles with disdain as the uncircumcised. In other words, these terrible heathens. And they had this attitude of superiority and prejudice. And uh, the feeling was mutual. For the Gentiles looked at the Jews the same way. And, you know, not a whole lot has changed over the decades of time. Uh, or the centuries of time, we, we look at uh, the Middle East today, and there are those countries in the Middle East that would love to just wipe the nation of Israel off the face of the map. And in our own country, we're seeing this great uprising in anti-Semitism. I don't understand it. You know, we're going back to Nazi Germany, it seems like, but this great uprising in, in anti-Semitism, hating the Jewish people. Well, Paul in his day pointed out that Christ has destroyed the wall of separation between Jews and Gentiles. In that day, in the temple area of Jerusalem, uh, there was a wall that separated the, the court of the Gentiles from the other courts and the inner sanctuary itself and um, the, the, Jew, the Gentiles coming from foreign lands to seek God, to, to worship the one true God, they could only come so far. They could only come as far as that wall. And uh, there was a warning sign on the wall. It read this. It said, No foreigner may enter within the barricade that surrounds the sanctuary and enclosure 
Anyone caught so doing will have himself to blame for his ensuing death. That wall was literally torn down in 70 AD when the Roman army came in and sacked the city of Jerusalem and tore down that wall. But in 30 AD, Jesus Christ tore down the spiritual wall of separation between Jew and Gentile when he died on the cross. Now through faith in Christ, there's no longer a distinction between the Jewish Christ follower and the Gentile Christ follower. We are one in Christ. The wall has been obliterated. As verse 14 says, for he himself is our peace and has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Now let's look at a broader application because no matter what our race, what our language, what the color of our skin, our nationality, our gender, our income level, our education, our political persuasion, our church label, our, our dress, our hairstyle, our music style, in Christ we are all one, amen? We're all one in Christ. Galatians chapter 3, 38. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. I will never forget uh, the Promise Keepers Clergy Convention that I attended back, uh, it's been over 20 years ago now, down in Atlanta, Georgia, and there, there were pastors from all over the United States and beyond who came together in, in Georgia. Uh, I took a bus uh, with uh, pastors from Eau Claire, Wisconsin, down to Georgia. That was quite a trip. Boy, you get a busload of pastors together, and that can be kind of weird. But, um, you know, we, we were uh, congregated there at the Georgia Dome, downtown uh, Atlanta, and it was just a wonderful time of, of uh, fellowshipping with uh, pastors from all over various denominations, um, just a wonderful time of being instructed, uh, of uh, hearing great speakers, just a wonderful, wonderful time that I'll never forget. It had a highlight in my uh, life. But uh, I remember the one day there was a pastor that got up and spoke against the sin of racism. And after that, Steve Green, maybe some of you remember Steve Green, the Christian singer, but he got up and he sang a, a powerful song. Let the walls come down. Let the walls come down. And all of the uh, pastors of, of ethnic minorities, blacks, Latinos, Asians, Native Americans, uh, they were invited to, to come down to the front. And so they came streaming down the aisles to cheers and high fives and, and hugs and just a, a, you know, it was just a magic moment. And, and they all got down to the front and there was prayer of uh, reconciliation, prayer of uh, asking forgiveness for, for sin. And it was just a powerful, powerful moment. It was one in which we could sense the solidarity the oneness we have 
in Christ. And so today I would say, let the walls come down. Let there be no walls of prejudice, hostility, suspicion, grievance, pettiness, or anything that would disrupt our unity in Christ. Yesterday at the Missions Fest, the final um, service featured a, a choir, an orchestra from the Spring of Life Baptist Church in Muckleteal. Now, this church began in uh, 1994 with 30 Russian-speaking believers from Russia and Ukraine. And yesterday, that orchestra and choir led us in some wonderful, inspiring worship. It was soul-stirring. It, it was really, really powerful. But I think of it, uh, you know, today there's war waging between the Ukrainians and the Russians. But yesterday we experienced beautiful harmony between these two groups, these two ethnic groups. And that harmony is only possible because of our love for Jesus Christ and his love in us. Well, my first permanent pastor position was in uh, Elam Baptist Church of Detroit, Michigan. Here I was, Eastern Washington kid, but I was back in Detroit, Michigan. I was the assistant pastor in charge of the, the youth ministry and the seniors ministry. It was an interesting mix of people in that church. It was one-third white, one-third black, and one-third Filipino. This was 40 years ago now. And we had a fun bunch of people. We had a men's softball team and a women's softball team, and we're part of a bowling league, and, uh, you know, we had, we had bus ministry, go out and pick up children, bring them into Sunday school. It was an interesting, um, interesting time. What I discovered that is that it's one thing to have a mix of different peoples, and it's, uh, it's another thing, you know, to, to work with them. And, and I, um, you know, I had to work at understanding I had to work at listening to people, of putting aside my prejudices, of putting aside my interest in getting my own way all the time. And, uh, but isn't that what it means to be a church? Uh, we respect one another. We bear with one another. We work together. We work at working together. Now, my wife and I, we've talked of this you know, we've just been um, really blessed to come up here and share with you folks at Cedar Home Baptist because we sense there's a real love among you people, a really real f uh, friendliness and a real uh, unity among you folks here in this church. So all I can say is keep it up. Keep it up and uh, keep loving each other. But Paul shares with us four pictures of the church. And the one picture is that of a body. Uh, verses 15 and 16, that he might uh, create in himself one new man in place of two, and so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross. I think of the old hymn, Onward Christian Soldiers. It says, we are not divided, all one body we one in hope and doctrine, one in charity. So it is, we're all one body 
in Christ. It's the body of Christ. Christ is our head. We each one make up an important member of the body. We might be a hand or a foot or a toe or an eye or an ear. Uh, we're all a various part of the body. Uh, and Christ is the head. So let's value one another in the body of Christ. Colossians 3.15, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and let's be thankful. Uh, verse, uh, here's another picture of the church. Uh, it's that of a nation. Uh, verse 19, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. As Christ followers, we are fellow citizens in God's new nation. Uh, two special days in our family. One was when our son-in-law, Jesse, he was here a few weeks back ago with us. He was sworn in as a U.S. citizen. Now he has dual citizenship. He retains his status as a Nigerian citizen, and he's an American citizen now. The other special day was when my daughter-in-law, Jalisa, and she was here a few weeks ago too, uh, she obtained her U.S. citizenship, and now she has dual citizenship in both Peru and the U.S. And I'm very proud of both Jesse and Jalisa. But as Christians, we would seek to be good citizens of our country. Uh, you know, Tuesday, National Election Day, and let me just encourage you to vote. That's our duty, and that's our privilege, our responsibility as, as citizens to, to get out to vote. Vote according to our conscience. And... Uh, Above all, though, we need to remember that, that we are citizens of, of heaven, right? We're, we are citizens of heaven. Uh, let there be no strangers, no outsiders in our church fellowship. And, uh, you know, I, I love the, the um, time to just greet one another during during the uh, early part of our service today. Opportunity to shake a few hands and just to meet a few people. And, you know, if you look around your, the, and see someone that you don't know today, try to grab them at the end of the service and, and uh, introduce yourself and, and get to know them. We don't want anyone to feel like an outsider. Uh, let's accept one another. Here's another picture of the church. That of being a family. Uh, verse 19 says, Members of the household of God. As such, we are family members. Uh, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Past few weeks or a few days, we've had my brother and sister-in-law, Stan and Gigi, up from uh, Houston, Texas, and they came up to, to have a booth at the Missions Fest and to uh, do a seminar. And so we've had some good times of just sitting around and reminiscing and telling stories and, and laughing and sharing concerns, and uh, it's just wonderful. You know, around the family circle, there's warmth. There's belonging, there's love, there's caring, there's sharing. 
The old Gaither song says, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood, joint heirs with Jesus as we travel this sod, for I'm part of the family, the family of God. Isn't it wonderful to be part of God's family? As family, we pray for one another. We bear one another's burdens. We, we laugh, we cry with each other. We are family, okay? And then one final picture of the church here, that of a temple. Verses 12 through, or 20 through 22, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Holy Spirit. In the church, we each one are a building block. I didn't say you're a blockhead, okay? You're a building block. And, and as such, we each one are an integral part of the whole church structure. Without you, uh, there'd be a big gap in the wall, which would weaken all of us. The church is built upon the testimony of the apostles and prophets, with Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, the most important stone that binds the whole building together. In 1 Corinthians 3.16, it says, Don't you know that you, and the you there is plural, okay? So if we were down in Texas, it'd be all you all, okay? All you all, yourselves, are God's temple, and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst. Let's, uh, let's be that church, Let's be that temple where the Holy Spirit is pleased to dwell, where the Holy Spirit can, can move and speak to us and breathe and work in us and, and feel at home in us. Let's not grieve the Holy Spirit in any way through bitterness or gossip or animosity or prejudice. Let's make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So today we've seen that Christ is our peace. And uh, Christ brings peace. Peace with God the Father. And again, I ask you, are you at peace with God today? If not, I invite you to ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart to forgive your sin, to be the Lord, the God of your life. Jesus Christ brings peace with one another. Are you at peace today with your brothers and sisters in Christ? Ray mentioned that to, to examine our hearts today and to, uh, am I at peace with my brothers and sisters? Jesus stretches out his hands and he brings us together as one. Christ breaks down every wall. Close with this one last story. During the years of the Cold War, the city of Berlin, Germany, was divided. 
by a great wall. This wall divided East Berlin from West Berlin. East Berlin being communist, West Berlin being democratic. President Ronald Reagan stood at that wall and gave a stirring speech. He said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. And shortly after that, the wall was torn down. Jubilant revelers took part in it. The wall came down and, and East Berliners, West Berliners reconciled, joined together as one. So if there's any walls in our hearts today, let's tear down those walls. Let's forgive, let's reconcile, let's walk together in harmony. Let's love one another. Christ is our peace. Let's pray. Father, now we pray that you will help us to live at peace with you and at peace with one another in Christ. As we come to the communion table, Lord, today, may it be a reminder that, that there's one loaf of bread, that we are the one loaf, the one body, that we are all one in Christ. So remind us again, Lord, of our communion with you and our communion with one another. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.